Today is Friday, February 9th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 558 features NBC Sports Boston's Chris Forsberg. And I'm Evan Valenti. Today's show is powered by FanDuel. Get $200 in bonus bets with a $5 winning bet at FanDuel.com slash Boston. What's up, everyone? Welcome in. I, I, how, how do I start this thing? Jaden, Jaden, Jaden. <laughs> I feel like getting on with the last name Springer. You just you need to go right to sort of that reality TV feel. You know, NBC Sports Boston recently had its Celtics trade deadline special. Obviously, mm-hmm. does it each and every year. But uh, I, you know, I didn't watch. I didn't watch because I wanted this. <laughs> I wanted this to be the trade deadline special because we went. To NBC Sports Boston. What we a way to talk up your guests. Yeah, we got Chris Forsberg here with us. Evan Valenti, Adam. Yeah, Cox. he was. This guy was on TV yesterday, but I didn't watch. It wasn't worth my time. Go ahead. I, Sorry, I I didn't watch because <laughs> I wanted all the thoughts here. All right, I good. All I'm thoughts. just recycling everything I said yesterday. But go ahead. <laughs> Every, but that's the beauty of it. I wouldn't know. There you go. I wouldn't be any the wiser. You could. You could direct quote yourself you could you could plagiarize yourself like crazy it wouldn't make any difference except to the people obviously that are out there listening or watching that tuned in for both you know what it is and i've used this term with you a lot just playfully at at this point in time i use the term oversaturation Mm. i think it is the oversaturation of 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 celtics content now across the board like it i mean there are we talk about this at probably what every couple months or so it, it manages to come up with somebody. There must be 3,500 Celtics podcasts just in market now. Yeah. It, it feels right. I, you know, um, it, it's just, it's, it is incredible. Like it's just, you, you I, here, I'll tell you this, this was the, the crystallization this week for me. Um, when Jalen got announced to the dunk contest, I started thinking about like ways that he could pay homage to Gerald green and like, you know, go turn back the clock on on dunk contest. So I was like, well, we need to get Chris Stapps to Indy, and he's going to do a cookies and cream dunk where like Chris Stapps <laughs> holds a glass of milk and he dunks the Oreo and he dunks the ball. And then uh, Dan Greenberg from from Barstool had already used the same exact tweet, and I was like, <laughs> there's no more original ideas out there. Like if 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 we're both thinking of of like how preposterous of an idea for a dunk contest, and that's already been on Twitter. Then I'm just gonna. I I just need to to stay away from everything. We all have the same ideas. Since that is official now, by the way, that Jalen Brown is going to participate in the dunk contest, I am curious as to your perspective because there are. It seems like kind of a mixed bag. You know, I've I've heard from people or I've seen on social media people saying, you know, ah, oh, it's you know, like this this is awesome. This is mm-hmm. this is exactly what the dunk contest needs. This could be the thing that brings it back because finally we have some star power attached to it in 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 the sense it and and that's not even to say like Jalen Brown is this superstar I think he's a star he's an all-star I I wouldn't put him in that superstar category but certainly in terms of names what what more do you need like all NBA what's the respect yeah but I but I have a I have a very it's maybe it's a me problem like I I have a very (laughs) you got to be like a top 10 player in the league to be considered you know a superstar in in my mind but I get where you're going so I would say census top 10 player but, 19... but putting that aside, yeah. he, he's certainly the highest paid player 
you know, there, there's real money attached to the to the dunk contest now with Jalen coming in, and and that is for the league a big deal. I have though heard the opposite side, which is Jalen is making that a freak out. He's going hurt. to embarrass himself because he's just not an electric dunker. He's mm. obviously had some great posters in his career, but in terms of you know, sort of overall athleticism and creativity and doing some things out there that like, you know, the Zach Levines and the Blake, you know, the the Aaron Gordons or or Blake Griffins or whoever else can do like Jalen's just not that guy. Yeah, he he's not dunked over a Kia during a game. Right. So which would be difficult, but no. The hood, wait, of, so a like, <laughs> the hood of a Kia. Very yeah. important distinction. Uh, yeah. Tw- Twelve. Uh, 12-year-old Forsberg would have loved this, right? Like the adding some legitimate star power to the dunk contest. I do yearn for the days of Dominique and Michael Jordan, but I also understand that 20-something years later, 30 years later, we are, we've are we run out of dunks. There's just only so much we can do, even as guys jump higher and further and, and such. But um, I'm okay with it. I'm I'm not going to sit here and like worry about injury and stuff like that. You know, yeah. I, I, they do silly dunks in practice every day. Um Hopefully he gets creative with it. That's all I help. Uh, you know, uh, I think the the entire All-Star Saturday night used to be a moment when I was a kid, and now it doesn't feel like it's much of a moment at all. I'm going to All-Star, and I will be leaving before All-Star Saturday night. So um, I, I don't know, and I, and I won't be torn up about it. So I hope that they find a way to – I hope he puts it in the work beforehand. I hope that he makes his dunks on the first tries because, like, when they do it 94 times, it gets repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm all for it because when you look at the the list, and no disrespect to Mac McClung and the, the other Toppin brother, um, but I guess some disrespect to Mac McClung and the other Toppin brother because, like, I don't know, it just doesn't get me excited to to watch the event. We need some, we need guys that have recognition and, and star power. To that you know point, though, it's it's sort of like what this could mean. Do you think this, you know, if if things go well for Jalen, I don't even mean win. I just mean like he goes and like you're saying, is fine, doesn't embarrass himself, has a good time with it, maybe brings in a guest star like a Porzingis or, or whoever else. Do you think this opens the door, you know, for future years of, of getting some more name recognition in the tournament? I would be fascinated. I don't know. I don't know if guys are that interested. Someone has to, to, to rekindle it. And let's hope Jalen, let's hope Jalen performs well enough that others say, Hey, that's cool. I want to do that. And I, you know, I don't know. Like, who are the super high pay? Anthony Edwards. Um, I'm trying to think of like t- up and coming guys, like going towards the top ten that I want to see in a dunk contest. I don't know. I guess I would just take anybody at this point who can can John bring Moran. some. Sure, it could I mean, be could, year, could be a great way to to rehab to to rehab the the reputation too, right? Like when after yeah. you go through what he did. So, yeah, I'd be all for it. Like every every event needs a little uh a. a a, a, I don't know, rebirth or whatever to to get it back. I don't know. Maybe just have Larry Bird come in and torch everybody in a warm up coat and the three point contest and bring back the uh, bring back how much we love all those. Your issue is like most of the guys that are really good at dunking, like the artists, the dunk artists, like they're not all stars. You, you missed your opportunity, like trying to make Aaron Gordon an all star. He would have done it if he was named under the all star team, and you know Zach Levine. You know, just not going to see that guy anymore. Like, Mac McClung can really dunk. Like, I'm not trying to sit here and say, like, Mac McClung isn't awesome at dunking. The guy's awesome fun last year. at dunking. He's, unfortunately, like, he's just a nobody in terms of the NBA. He's not even but, in the NBA. But, but, like, think about it this way, right? The Zach Levine-Aaron Gordon dunk-off, which was the best dunk contest these eyes have ever seen. 
those two guys are like relatively like eh. You know, they yeah. weren't really like superstars yet. Like neither guy's really a superstar, but they weren't really huge names outside of the the draft junkies right. uh, that that follow it. Like, what was Zach Levine most famous for before that dunk contest? His face at the draft when he got drafted by the Timberwolves. Like he was like, <laughs> oh, dang, I gotta go to Minnesota. That's not great. <laughs> like Aaron Gordon, like. Like, now he now he would like kill to be in in Minnesota, right? <laughs> right. It'd be awesome. it'd be a hell, it'd be a, uh, like the Anthony Edwards pick is an interesting one because like that's a guy who's super athletic and could probably do some some fun stuff in the air. Um, Jaws a great another one that guy can get the jump out of the gym. But like most of the time, your all star guys like aren't guys like that, and and so you're having to to, to find solutions in other places. I do give Jay a lot of credit for being. Like, hey, like, I'm an all-star, I'm a star, I'm an all-NBA player, you know, I'm going to do this, because he's the first one, it feels like, in a long time that's done it. But a lot of times, the best dunkers aren't those guys. Like, they work in other parts of their game. Like, Jason Tatum, like, I think somebody asked Tatum at the end of the last game if he was going to do the dunk contest ever, and he's like, nah, I'm all set. Like, he's working on other stuff. Like, you know, he doesn't need to do that. So, it's hard. I give Jim a lot of credit. He's not going to win this. I'd be impressed if he did. Um, I think it's going to be a eh, kind of show i think mac will do great uh, i heard jaime hawkheads can jump i've been told by mm-hmm. sources uh that jaime can 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 jump and uh um and we'll see with jacob Toppin and see if it's hereditary or not we'll find out but you know it's just the the the, the best dunkers you don't find out are great dunkers until the content like nobody knew mac mcclung was going to be awesome until he did a, his like first dunk and you're like oh okay this guy's awesome yeah. you know so it's gonna take it's gonna take some time. It just stinks that there's no star power anymore that way. There's well, just... it's it's the dichotomy of the thing at this point in time that gets hammered home each and every year to where the judges of the contest are so much bigger in name, stature, reputation than the participants. You know, you would like that to be kind of level. I mean, yeah, you're gonna have legends of the game that participate as judges. That is an annual expectation. But how about maybe some? It, we we don't have to pull a guy up from the G League to participate in the NBA dunk contest who also happens to be the reigning champ. That right. would be a success if you want to attempt to bring this thing back. We're so, just so to be fair, I did not fight when Craig Hodges had returned for the three-point contest when the Bulls had already cut him. So, like I get defending your title and all that. I yeah. was a big Craig I was a big Craig Hodges guy, so don't 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 uh I will not throw bricks at glass houses or whatever. <laughs> So uh, that's our brief little, I guess, uh, all-star related discussion. I guess as we get uh, just a little bit closer here, we'll have more time to discuss that and certainly react to Jalen's performance when that comes along later this month. But the reason I didn't begin, guys, with the trade deadline is in large part because it wasn't overly eventful for the Celtics. Yes, a, a lot of you know players changed homes across the league. Most of the bigger names that had already happened, like there was no one of, let's say, Pascal Siakam's level that moved on deadline day. You know, a couple of the biggest names like Gordon Hayward, but he's injured and he's always injured. He goes to OKC. I think if he gets right, can stay on the floor, he could be a good fit there. You know, Buddy Heald is is an interesting one, but these are kind of the biggest names. You know, it was a lot of back-end, middle-of-the-rotation kind of guys, and the Celtics, no exception. The big difference is a lot of those teams need more star power. The Celtics, obviously, were looking for those types of guys. So they bring in a couple days ago Xavier Tillman. They follow that up with the guy I mentioned before, Jaden Springer. And effectively, they're coming in to hopefully just be better versions of Lamar Stevens and Delano Banton. And 
I like it. I mean, I don't see how you could argue against the moves. The Celtics didn't give up anything of consequence. You know, no players went out the door who are actually, you know, nightly participants for this team. No first round picks or anything like that. Just some second rounders. That's why you've got them. And so now it's it's depth and it's judging how these guys are are going to fit in ultimately. And Ev, I think what you brought up before in terms of you know, we we were talking about, uh, I, I can't remember at this point in time, this was right before we started or since the show began, but we were talking about Brad Stevens and how he is as an executive and fit. And I think if there's one thing, Chris, and, and you've been around this team for, you know, a long time for various outlets at this point in time, you've covered multiple regimes, obviously, but I, I think if there is one kind of clear distinction between Brad Stevens, the president of basketball operations versus Danny Ainge in that role, who was excellent, by the way. This is not Danny slander. This is just talking about a difference. I think Danny was always a little more fixated on the name and, you know, the the splash, the the full throttle of it all to uh, to reference Tom Werner, whereas Brad is really just kind of trying to put a puzzle together. And he's looking for the best fit to complement the rest of the team. And these two guys who, you know, Tillman's got more of an offensive upside than Springer, certainly, but they're both just really strong defenders. And mm-hmm. this team looking to lean into its defense here, recognizing how important that is for a stretch run, certainly for the playoffs. I, I'm just, I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the job that Brad has done, continues to do the way he telegraphs his moves. And yet, simultaneously works in the shadows is fascinating to me and uh i i like what he did i think it was an effective trade deadline and they still have the open roster spot for when the buyout market comes along yeah and, and so we'll see like i i i think you can definitively say that the xavier tillman and Jaden springer highlight reels are more impressive than the delano banton and lamar stevens one now like lamar stevens is a weird case like i i know it, you don't want to talk too much about the guys going out but i thought for sure he'd get more of a run here and it just never happened. Um, he was a starter for much of the year for a very good Cleveland team last year and brought like that defensive grit. His offensive limitations kept him off the court. So when you start looking at Tillman and Springer, I think you'd say, well, they've got some offensive limitations too. Will they necessarily be able to sort of carve out roles? Can you have non-shooters on the floor if you're going to play in Joe Missoula's offense? And yet, undeniably, you watch all the highlight blocks and you watch Tillman defend against Anthony Davis last year in the playoffs. You watched Springer defend against Steph Curry and Luka Doncic this past week. And there's at least potential there. And one thing me and uh, I remember even from, I think it was two years ago when, when they got Derek White, uh, Brad stressing afterward was as the Celtics start building this monster payroll, they have yearned to have sort of this influx of young talent. And let's face it, like you've had to sacrifice a lot of first round picks in order to do that. Well, you just added, you know, at least in Springer's case, a former first round pick who you're hoping will develop. He's still only 21. There's still a lot of time to tap into what he's got. Now it's on the Celtics to develop that and supplement their expensive core. So, you know, we'll see. I think it, it does add a little bit of intrigue to the final 31 games here. Uh, if Tillman gets out there once he's fully healthy and can give you a little something, uh, especially on nights that Al rests or Kristaps Porzingis rests, could be fun. But I don't know. You know, I like I, I I don't think you should factor them in heavily to what might happen this season. Uh, but I, each one will be here potentially. Long. I don't think you make the trade for Tillman if you're not 
pretty convinced that you can use his bird rights to retain him. And Springer has another year, but after that, you'll be able to think about retaining him as well. So it just it's on it's on the development staff here to to get them to a place where they're they're more definitive role players than necessarily maybe on the surface of a team that is is going to really lean on their top eight right now. Yeah, and you look at like okay. Why couldn't Lamar Stevens, you know, touch the floor? Well, you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown also playing his position. Sam Hauser provides something different. He's an excellent three-point shooter, ball mover, and defensively he holds up more than he does it. I I, I love watching Sam move his feet. He does a great job by positioning. He's, he's better than people think he is. Lamar Stevens, unless you're shooting the basketball really well, is fighting with O'Shea Brissett. And what we've seen with O'Shea Brissett over the past couple of weeks is bring him in the game and he changes the energy of the game. You know, sometimes you need a guy like that. And Brissett is an automatic energy flipper, regardless of whether he's shooting well, defending well, he's always rebounding the basketball well on both. Well, he's giving the effort, you know, whether if, he might not get them all, but he's going to jump after it against four guys that are wearing the other team's Jersey. He's going to get in there. And I, and, and that's valuable. Um, making the most of his time, right. It's, you know, it's not like Lamar Stevens didn't get a little bit of a shot. He did. The leash was short, as it is with a lot of those guys. And Brissett popped a little more than Lamar did, and that's why they're out the door, right? Uh, you bring in Tillman. Tillman is obviously big insurance for Al and Chris Dapps, and even Cornette, who's been a little banged up this year, but also a little bit different than Cornette, um, you know, in terms of big insurance, right? He's going to be someone that you can throw out there against – the bigger guys, the Giannis is, you know, if they get to play uh, Jokic or some other big, name them, he's going to be able to at least make it difficult for them. The Springer one is a little bit more interesting just because of the fact that, again, his age, the fact that he's been in the pro system for two years and yet would still be one of the youngest guys drafted in this upcoming draft class, which yeah. I think is extremely valuable. So that I didn't think about and listening to Brad talk about it, it's clearly they thought about, hey, you know, He's essentially the same age as the guys getting drafted come up this year, but he's been at least, you know, a professional for two years. That's valuable. We should look into that, tap into that. Um, but again, the defensive upside is, is pretty clear here and he provides you something different than Peyton Pritchard. I think the, the elephant in the room, so to speak, over the past couple of weeks is, is against some of these better teams. You look at that Clippers game as a great example, Denver, another one, you know, towards the end of that Denver game. Pritchard's out there, Al's not, and it's like, ah, oh, they're getting killed. They got to make the swap eventually. And then Joe, of course, calls in Al for Pritchard, and things are a little bit easier. They need a guy that can come off the bench and defend guards. You know, you can't just have Drew and and Derek go out there and do it all for forty eight minutes. You're gonna need somebody else, and it's uh, it's valuable to have that in the back pocket, right? They're not gonna they get to the playoffs. Six, seven guys are playing. Like I don't know if I don't know if Hauser's gonna get off the bench when they really need it. I don't know. I prefer he did. But you know there's six there. We'll see with Pritchard and we'll see with Springer. Like, I don't know. But it's at least a little bit of insurance there, but he provides something different than Pritchard does. Pritchard's a great offensive player. He's been spectacular this year. I love the way he's just confident with his shot. He's moving the basketball. He's getting into the paint. But he can't defend that well because he's short. And it's not because he's not trying. He's trying his ass off, but he's just not tall enough. Springer gives you a little more, you know, a little more length a little more height, a little more girth. He's excellent. So it's it's just going to be – why not? Why not try it? They don't have a guy like that, uh, and it costs them nothing. That's the cra- That's the crazy – it costs them nothing, really. And when you're working on the margins like, like the Celtics are, you, you, there's not like, oh, I can make an eight-for-one trade. With the way the CBA is set up, like you just can't 
the Celtics are very handicapped by the salary cap in the second apron that they're in. So they can only do so much. I, I Brad is nothing but a, been nothing but impressive. His his shorts in his GM, he's been spectacular. We'll get right back to Forsberg. Quick break though, because uh, listen, Super Bowl's coming. I know you can bet on basketball, and and we'll have plenty of basketball betting conversation in the weeks and months to come. But right now, it's all about betting football. So Ev, let's shout out Fanduel. We only really get one more shout out of Kaufman, so make it count, everybody. This is Happy. our Super Bowl as well, betters. Yes, that's right. It's everybody's. It's not just Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl gambling too. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, if you're like Kaufman, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two. Or three, depending on when you want to lay down. But not only can you bet who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown. Combined yards, rushing, receiving. How many mm-hmm. points will be scored? The, everything. The color of the Gatorade. How many <laughs> times Taylor Swift. I mean, everything. So much more about Kaufman. We're going to keep it simple on the one just before the Super Bowl. And we're going to keep it easy. I think, personally... Best value bet on the market right now is actually a parlay. Oh, there's value in a parlay? I'm listening. Okay. I thought about this all week, thought about two weeks. Okay. I think Kansas City's going to win this game. Flat out. I, I, I don't like it, but go ahead. I think Kansas City's going to win the I game. I understand. I just don't like it. Um, you you just It's just a rare opportunity in life where you're going to get the, the chance to bet on Pat Mahomes as an underdog in any game at all whatsoever, never mind it being the actual Super Bowl, all right? Right now, on FanDuel, I'm looking at it, Chiefs are plus two and a half to mm-hmm. win. Yep. Uh, uh, plus two and a half, you know, is the spread, plus 110 money line. If you're like me and you have just belief the Chiefs are going to win this game, so I think about how the Chiefs are going to win this game. Chiefs are going to win this game if this game is very low scoring. 17-14, 17-10. You look at that Ravens game two weeks ago. That's the formula. Long drives, defense, don't turn it over. Score when you can, but limit the opposition. Very similar to Tom Brady's first three Super Bowls, right? Chiefs to win the money line, parlayed with the under of 47.5 Kaufman, plus 264. How do we feel? I mean, I don't feel good about it only because I don't believe that the Chiefs are going to win. I'm I'm back in the Niners. But if I were to back Kansas City, then yeah, it makes sense. I yeah. I, I feel it. I'm I'm with you. I, just, I don't think if they here's my my point. If they win the game, it's not going to be a high scoring game. Sure. All right. If the if the Chief, the, the the Niners can win a multitude of ways, I think in this game. But I think if the Chiefs are going to win, they're not going to score forty points just not going to happen. I don't think they'll score more than 25. So what I'm hedging is the Chiefs winning this game and not a lot of people scoring a lot of points. And that's why the under is very appealing to me. Plus, juice tends to be on the over anyway. Like, people tend to want that because it's much more fun to see all the points. That's why I like the under. But with that in mind, the plus 264 that I'm looking at, I think is just fantastic. I know you're on the other side, which makes me feel even better about my picks considering how your luck has gone this year. Um, so with that being said, again, that's my 
let's keep it short and simple bet for the Super Bowl. New customers join today. You get 200 bucks in bonus bets if you make your first bet of $5 or more, and that wins, okay? So if you're listening to this right before the Celtics game somehow, uh, bet the Celtics to beat the Wizards, okay, in just a couple of minutes, and then take those $200 of bonus bets you got because the season one, put them all in the Super Bowl, okay? Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner, of the NFL. Must be 21 plus in present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is now withdrawable bonus but that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100NEXTSTEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP-LOUISIANA. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia or call 800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, let's get back to Forsberg. More Celtics talk. So ultimately, Forsberg, would you characterize this as a successful trade deadline for Boston? All of that in mind that we've all been talking about. So I think the, the only thing that that um, and I, I thought more and more about as we got closer to the deadline was just you never promised to be in this spot, and it's very rare that you get through sixty percent of a season. You say, yeah, you're probably definitively the best team in basketball. You know, you're, you there's not that 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 you can't say that Denver and the Clippers and there's a couple other like title threats out there but it's clear like the Celtics are just kind of on that top tier and sure they've had moments like that Laker game was terrible and you know they've had some more so lately than obviously at the start of the year where it's been they're not quite the juggernaut they were and yet you sometimes just feel like that's just how it goes in January when you're kind of navigating the schedule and so what the one thing I came away with is always just there have been years where the title favorite makes a move adds one more piece and you're like man like they got that guy too. Like, how are we going to beat this team? And so, even though the Celtics were a little bit hamstrung by their the 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 assets they had available, and certainly, you know, like as Ev said, you can't just cobble together a six for one trade. But they could have got creative in instances. And um, I wondered if there was another move out there we could just add it. You know, if you're someone on the fence about whether Pritchard and Howes were going to be definitive playoff guys that you can lean on, could you have gotten someone else? And I'm not disappointed that they didn't. I just think you have to do that due diligence. And, uh, you know, we'll never know for sure because they're not going to come out and be like, oh, yeah, we definitely weren't confident in Sam and and Peyton. Uh, I think they are confident in them, and I think they're hopeful that they hold up well. But I also think, you know, you got to look around. And the one thing that takes some sting out of the fact that they didn't do anything was that no one else did. And so that also suggests that there just wasn't moves out there. Like, Lord knows what the Bulls are doing. Uh, I don't know what, like— Golden State is doing. There's like seven teams in the league that I'm just like, what in the hell are you doing? And the teams that did make trades didn't always make great ones. Like, hey, Dallas, what are you doing? 
So um, at least the Celtics feel a little bit better about their depth, and no one else made you feel like, ooh, they got they got that much better. So yeah, I'm I, I, I think it's a win, and I think it'll be harder to judge. You got we, you know, can we can we revisit in two three years when when Springer's twenty four and and we have a better idea if he evolved into anything if Tillman was able to play a, a rotation role this season or next? Like we'll know better then, but. Uh, I really love the idea of throwing Tillman into an ecosystem that already has Al Horford. I love the idea of Springer, you know, coming to play with Drew alongside and Derek and like two really good defending guards. Like I feel like there's a real chance for them to to learn on the job and then maybe emerge as something. I was surprised, you know, you were talking about Dallas to uh, see there there was an ESPN report. It was a Tim McMahon. Uh, McMahon was was talking about uh, the Grant Williams deal and said that they couldn't wait to get rid of him. The, apparently Grant was rubbing some people the wrong way in, in the organization. And look, I, I you know, Grant you know, on a, a more of a personal, at least professional level, I've probably had one conversation with him ever. So I wouldn't sit here to claim to know him. He seems so beloved with the Celtics. And, you know, I, I've heard people like our guy, John Zanis here re- refer to Grant as, you know, yeah, we know Grant's an acquired taste, that sort of thing, but he always kind of, was described or 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 came off as the like the annoying younger brother who doesn't shut up kind yeah, of yeah i was just say do you have siblings but, kaufman yeah no you ever like, want to take a pillow and just smother them for a little bit like, right but there's yeah. a but there's a big difference between that and and like rubbing people the wrong way yeah to, but i think that like, i uh, like it, this guy i just think that's that's how it is in the league it's just you know like Kyrie gets sick of everybody and yeah. You know, I think if you're Luca, you're you probably have high expectations. This was your big splash this offseason and Grant started really good and then just couldn't make a shot. And yeah. so I think I think that's what frustrates you is that that combination of he's not playing to the level that the contract you gave him and he's a loud personality. So it's like, man, how about this guy does something before he, he's yapping like this? And yeah. so, yeah, like I think when you know it and when you've proven it, like here in Boston probably easier to 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 deal with the grant williams experience um i think we all knew that he was going into a pretty hostile situation and or volatile at the very best and um i didn't think he'd be the first one to get booted out of it um but you know i don't i don't profess to know exactly what dallas is doing because they've now paid a lot of assets and money to uh I don't know if they improved. Like I like PJ Washington and there was, we always had a lot of Grant PJ Washington talk on our network and, but at least I know Grant can do it in a playoff series. And so PJ Washington hasn't played a whole lot of big games in his career. And I'd be interested to see how it plays out. I like Gafford. I think that's really good for them. Um, But I don't know. Did they move the needle at all? You know, like not, not in the West. Right. you know, There's still what so. a seven seed, eight seed in the West. So, right. yeah, I don't know. Like it, 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 again, that that as I look around the league and I say, like, well, how many teams improved at the deadline? I'd say maybe the Knicks. I was going to say Knicks are Knicks probably had the best day. You know, breaking in. If you want to include pre-draft the, the deadline deals, then I would throw the the Heat in there. I would probably throw Indiana in there. And yet, like nothing that made you think that the teams in what I would call tier two in the East are any closer than they were. Like they're, you know, you look in your rearview mirror and maybe see the Knicks a little closer, but you know they're gritty, but I, they don't have the star power. So, yeah, I, I think that just tempers everything with the deadline in terms of um, there just wasn't out, a lot out there to do, 
And if you were going to tinker on the fringes, I feel like the Celtics did about as, as good as they could have done. And like the jury will be out for a little bit on it. So to that point, I'm, I'm curious how you feel about this. It's, it's more of a big picture conversation, but it's a, more of a big picture show coming at you, you know, once, twice a week. I, before we, started taping here i was i was watching pat mcafee and they had uh sham charania on which just the media politics of that always sort of makes me chuckle a little bit but putting that aside uh shams was on and and they were talking about the trade deadline they were talking about the celtics and you know a lot of the stuff that we're saying this is you know this is the team and a lot of people going back to the regular season want to have that title or bust conversation how do you determine whether or not the year's been a success and all of that and uh, certainly there's a school of it's a lazy narrative it's stupid it requires nuance in that conversation which is it is a wrong narrative a point. you know like if if jason tatum heaven forbid suffers a season-ending injury next week then mm-hmm. yeah it's it's hard to classify this year as title or bust so you're projecting health obviously whenever you're having that conversation but where shams was going with this which i just hadn't really heard people leap to this yet you know they've They've already paid a, a boatload to Brown. They're going to Tatum. They gave Porzingis the extension. Holiday's up for one. You'd think they'd like to pay him, obviously. You know, you, you're talking about bird rights for Tillman. Derek White wants a contract. You'd like to pay him. They paid Pritchard. All these guys, like, they, you expect ownership to spend and keep this core together and try and chase titles. And Shams was basically saying, if they don't win this year, they're going to have to have some really difficult conversations. They're going to have to... You know, there are some real decisions that are going to have to be made if this year somehow doesn't result in Banner 18. And that wasn't even, you know, you could go to the the title round and lose it, whatever. You don't win. They have decisions to make. To what degree do you agree with that? Uh, Well, so I would flip it and say if they win, they have tough decisions to make. Like they get a little easier, right? Like you have this banner and all of a sudden the decision to pay Drew Holiday long term is probably a little bit easier to make. But like you're still going to have tough decisions about how to how this roster goes forward. I think when they added Porzingis, we all said it's like eventually they're going to have to pick what's the new core, you know. And if you're lucky and the salaries all kind of line up, maybe you're lucky to bring this forward for a couple more seasons. Um, But yeah, like so I think if they don't win, there's a hard conversation about like, why isn't this working? Like, why? Why hasn't this core gotten to the finish line? And maybe there'll be something extenuating that just says, you know, Kristoff had been a little bit healthier if if Drew had done this, whatever the case may be. And maybe just run it back with what you've got, because even though it gets slightly more prohibitive next year as Jalen's deal kicks in, um, there'll be some easing, right? Like, you know, some 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 of the variables change. And so, um, yeah, I, I, they've just got to, I just think in general, they have tough decisions and. Um, I'll be fascinated to see how it plays out. Like Drew's, I think April 1st is the day, six months, you know? So he, before the playoffs, you might have to decide, you know, you'd, you'd probably love to tell him, Hey, you know, don't, let's not make this a distraction. Let's just get through the playoffs. I don't know if you'll have that luxury, but the fact that he has a $37 million option or whatever it is, 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 you know, he, he's got a pretty good safety net if, if he doesn't get a new extension. Um, but certainly as you're trying to figure out how you're going to cram Derek in there and with Jalen's contract set to explode, you just gotta, just gotta kind of got to start looking ahead to that and, um, credit to ownership. Cause I remember sitting here and thinking, man, they got, they got Jalen and Jason now. It's going to be almost impossible to add. They're going to have to kind of keep this core. And they were like, no, let's add Krista. Let's add Drew. So they've been willing to pay. And 
it's going to get really difficult next year when when roster construction gets so tough. You know, not being able to send out money, no aggregation in trades. Like it just gets really restrictive. So that's why you're making moves now because you you need some parts around this core and you got to figure it out with this core. But I, I don't think it's like, oh my gosh, if they don't win, all of a sudden now it's just like exponentially more difficult. No, these conversations are coming one way or another. Yeah, and that's and that's the beauty that we've been having, like this conversation about ownership for, I don't know, years, Kaufman, to this point. Like I'll believe Wick when, when the time happens and – they have to make tough decisions. He's always said he'll pay for a contender, and this is it. Like this is this mm-hmm. is the time. Um, I am curious to see how it all shakes out. The one thing I'll say though, this is the piggyback off a quote that you got earlier, Forsberg, about just like the way this team vibes and gels and the chemistry with this team. It's obvious this team loves playing with each other. It's like this is a real this this is a group of guys that loves going up to work every day, loves going to battle with each other every single day. You know, and, and, and all the minutiae that comes with being on a team. You know, sometimes that 82 game schedule can be a grind, especially when you have guys that are awesome in your club, in your, in your clubhouse or your locker room, whatever you want to call it. Right. You know, Grant Williams might wear some guys out. Okay. Marcus Smart might wear some guys out. Now we love both those guys here in Boston because they bring other things to the table and we can look past some certain things. But this team really, I mean, just feels like they're best buds all the time. The vibes in the bench are, as we all say, immaculate, right? They're, you know, the cookies and cream thing took one second for them to like come up with. It's, it's, you know, there's camaraderie, real camaraderie on this team. And so as you look towards the future of what this might look like, as long as I think having Jalen, Jason, Chris Stapps and one of the white Drew pieces, and I think it's going to be white over Drew because of the age and all that other, you know, and that stuff. I think they're going to be all right. This seems like guys that are easy to play with. And when it comes from the top, because it's coming from the top, it's coming from Jates, it's coming from Jalen, it's coming from Chris, it's easier for everybody else to fall in line. There's structure now, right? Getting rid of certain guys throughout the years, Chris, I think has made this easier for everyone now to kind of fall in line behind the, the two J's. And when everybody's falling in line, it's like, it's beautiful. This is amazing, you know? I think it comes down to Jason and Jalen just, I think they've hit the point in their career. Like everyone has the same trajectory, right? Like you come into the league, oh, I want to be an all-star. And then you want, you want all NBA. You want to be superstar. You want to be in that MVP conversation, all that stuff. Like they've hit a lot of the individual accolades. And now it's clear, like all they want to do is win. And they came in early, got into training camp, set the tone of, hey, we just want to work. We're going to figure this out. They know all the scrutiny that they face goes away as soon as they win. And now they're going to have to deal with it. They deal with it every time. Like when they don't get you know, hit the winning shot or make the right play at the end. Then we all say like, Hey, why can't they, can't they get there? Um, but I think they've set the tone of like, it's all that matters is winning. And the fact that they both sacrificed scoring wise, the fact that they've just embraced the new pieces and, and been okay with like the roles that those guys play has just made it easy for everybody to fall into line. And I think that's why Brad loves this group is that from Al on the first day being like, yo, I'll go play on the bench. And just kind of everything slotted into place. You had not, no one's rocking the boat. It's very rare that you have a team that where it feels legitimately like everybody is pulling in the same direction. And this one feels like it. And that's why when I, you know, and sat down with Brad today, I, I understood like, you know, a lot of people said to me, oh, they, I, I didn't think they were training any of the top six, but I did think you could add a piece. You know, that's going back to the big move idea. People were like, well, oh, it could disrupt the chemistry. 
And I get it, right? Like you bring in someone who is more focused on themselves than the the team. Yeah, that could have gone gone wrong. So it was clear Brad put a premium on. Like Tillman comes in and he's saying all the right things. I'm sure Jaden Springer, when we talk to him, will say the same things. And as long as that's the case, that's fine. It's funny to me, though, because like Svima Hailuk, uh, one of the quietest guys we've ever had on media day, doesn't say a lot, you know, didn't joke around, just kind of dry. And every time I look over, like, Jason Tatum's hanging out with him on the bench. And I think Jalen and, and uh, Porzingis took him to Miami with O'Shea during one of the off days. I'm like, man, even the quiet dude on the team, they just love. Like, they're like, Svee's our guy. And they're just taking him everywhere. So, I don't know. Like, yeah, the uh, the whole vibes thing is, is legit over there. You that everyone understands what's at play here. And I think a lot of those end-of-the-bench guys think the same thing, too. Like, yeah, it sucks not to play, but you're on a championship-level team. Would you rather be in Detroit? Would you rather be going out to Portland with 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 Delano Banton? Shout out, Rob. I miss you. Uh, the fact that they gave out number forty four is a little bit hurtful, um, <laughs> but I'll get through this. And uh, yeah, like I, I just think it, it it does matter. All that stuff matters. And uh, you know, I somehow we got way way away from your question about you know future decisions. But um, the fact of the matter is, they're a championship level team now, and you figure all that stuff out as you go. But I feel a lot better about it than I did in like. 2019 when Al was like, I'm sick of this. I'm out of here. And, you know, things things came unglued pretty quickly. Well, and there's an element of life comes at you fast, right? What was it, 2017, 2018, when Jalen, you know, high top Jalen at the time did that <laughs> interview with Taylor Rooks and said they were going to win like five out of the next six titles or something he, he like that? He might have been bragging a little bit, a little bit in that in that segment. Yeah, may, maybe it was a little bit of trying to impress I get, her. I was going to uh, say, I can I get why. I can understand why. <laughs> yeah. I get it. That's... No, I look in 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 his shoes, understood. But uh, you know, the the fact is they haven't won yet, and so you know, yes, there have been individual accolades, there have been some team achievements, there have certainly been some big paydays, but they don't have the banner. And as Tatum has said a number of times, Brown has alluded to it as well. Smart when he was here certainly knew it. You know, to to be considered. Uh, I know we had this conversation with Washburn when he was on with us last week. We were talking all about guys who could or should have their numbers you know up in the rafters but to be considered a Celtics all-time great you need the ring man like you mm-hmm. it, you, you need the banner and uh, obviously you know that in and of itself doesn't define that uh, that level of prestige but but it, it, goes it has to be way. like it, it you have to at least tick that box to be in the conversation right yeah like I mean I don't even know how it's a, it's it's a non-starter if you don't have a ring I don't you know I don't even know like what the I love Marcus I I love Marcus as much as anybody I just can't like I just I was kind of wild like to to the by the suggestion I like I get it he meant a lot to Boston to everybody we can love Marcus Smart it's a lot of jerseys up there I don't know if uh if if Marcus Smart and the majority of them have rings attached to them that's your problem and and I jokingly and I I don't because I don't mean I don't want this to come off as a as a slight on Smart because but um, cause I'm, again, I'm uh, as high of a Marcus Smart fan as, as you could get during his time here. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I love the moment and being able to celebrate that. But are we putting Luke Cornett up there? He's been to like three Eastern Conference finals. He was in the finals. Right. You no, know, was he, was he not important? He also so, changed the game with the Cornett contest. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, and, uh, I, but yeah, I just think we, we have to have some baselines for guys that go up there. And so when Smart comes back, as part of the five or six titles the Celtics are going to win, as Jalen Brown said, right? Um, then, then we can get into whether he deserves a spot up there. But um, 
look, I, th- I, I Jason Jalen, I think they're going up there, but I got some work to do. So, yeah. you know, let's, uh, We'll we'll judge at the end of at end of all this when you know when Brad's up there when Joe's up there when Danny Ainge is up there like right. we got some work that's to the do. Thing, like that stuff isn't automatic. Like if if you know well, obviously like especially because of the contracts they you know either have or will sign like we project Jalen Brown Jason Tatum like we would love to see them here for for fifteen years and yeah you're gonna get a lot of numbers along the way but if Jason Tatum were just you know done as a Celtic today. He hasn't done enough to be up there. Someone had a uh, – I, I brought this up on our postgame show. After the – what game was it? It must have been the Grizzlies game. There was a guy behind the bench. He had a, had a sign. It said zero greater than 33. And then he flipped it over and it said, like, eventually. And, all right, all right like, like where your head's at, get what you're saying. Maybe don't bring Larry Bird into this quite yet. Like, yes. I'm not ready to go there. Fun. Yeah, like – well-intentioned, definitely an eye-catching sign. Probably could have just been like, really like you, Jason Tatum. God, no. we are just prisoners of the moment. Uh, all right, so we've got you a couple more minutes because uh, I know you got stuff to do. But what, um, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of discussion in the weeks to come regarding that open roster spot. Oh, man, do people love open roster spots? I mean, we, we hear. I don't know why I bothered asking about Tillman or anybody today. I should have just been all like all buyout guy all yeah. the time, even though I don't Dude, know. If Brad, any... who, who, who do you think you'll be targeting on that buyout market? You know, I, I, and the best way to, ask, as you know, I don't need to tell you this, but the best way to ask Brad those, those questions to where he might actually answer them is not obviously what guy do you yeah. want? It's, you know, Brad's a big type guy, Brad. So, what type of guy would you mm. like to see fill out that that last roster spot in the buyout market should said individual become available? And then he might give you a little something. Brad has uh, no He did problem. not. I, I think I said, is there still a position of need that you might be kind of like eyeing, just trying to get a hint on what they might do? And I'm pretty sure he was just like, yeah, we're not going to be in a rush. We're just going to – because I think they do want to look at it. Yeah. So, okay, Tillman comes in. If Tillman comes in, he's great depth, and now you've got Tillman and – Luke and Kata, like, do you really need another big man? Probably right. not. So that probably takes a, a good amount of the people you might be targeting off the board. If Springer comes in and is ready and you and and can give you at least a little bit, maybe you don't need another big guard. Like if 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 Tillman can be versatile, do you need so I think they want to get a look at it. You can always elevate Kata and just take him into the playoffs with you. Um so you that you don't run into the the two way restrictions. Um, and you also reward a player and show like, th- I think it would also be good because then you can say to any future two-way signing, like, look, Sam Hauser, Nemesh Keda, both were two-way guys. We brought them up because they did enough in the early days that we were like, we need them on our roster. And so now you're giving motivation to those guys to come join you in Maine. And I don't think that's the worst path. Cause I don't know if necessarily there's someone out there. Now the names that are invariably going to come up and maybe we'll all be bought out and signed before the, you know, you even get this edited and put online. But um, I, I will say, I'll start with Danilo Gallinari. I thought it was hilarious. Someone had a tweet last night. I forget if it was Shams or Woj or whoever. But, like, they were like, uh, Danilo Gallinari is getting bought out and he will start his free agent visits. I was like, who is welcoming Danilo Gallinari at age, like, 38 and being like, hmm, let us tell you why you would be a perfect fit for this program. Um, I don't know if that's the perfect fit for the Celtics either. It would uh, It'd be nice to see him go full Cody Rhodes and finish the story. But yeah. I do not I mean, know if uh, if that is going to be something that the Celtics are interested in. 
Um, the guy I, I would probably want in the, among the names is Otto Porter Jr. I thought that was someone they should have like been kind of eyeing out of Toronto at the trade deadline. He obviously goes to Utah if Danny Ainge does a does you a favor and set put sets him free. Um, guy with championship experience, still younger than you think. Versatile forward can play multiple positions. Like I think that's what you're looking for. Someone that in an emergency can get you some minutes. Um, after that, I don't know. Like the Stad Young end up bought out. People say Seti Osman. I don't know if like Seti's going to get set free. Like he might just want his bird rights and they're ride it out in San Antonio. So, um, is your problem though with all these guys? Like other teams are going to offer them more playing time. That's your problem with the Celtics. Yeah. Why ultimately I think it's probably going to be Kata. Just because you look at all the guys you mentioned was Gallo or whether it was Otto or what, like none of those guys are going to really play. Like is Otto important to get more playing time than Sam Hauser, who's been here for two years? Like, I just don't think so. Like, I just don't think he adds anything. Like, is he a better movement shooter than Hauser? Not from what I've been watching. No. Like I mean, Hauser's been unreal this year. And, and think about what that does to the team morale. We keep coming back to this team morale thing and how the chemistry is really great. I think an underrated part of what you just said is you can show this to future two-way guys like, hey, play your ass off. Like, it got Sam Hauser a roster spot and eventually a rotation spot. It got Kata a roster spot, and we looked at him and then, you know, see what happens at the end of this thing. I would much rather have that because, like, again, I don't think – if let's say the Knicks. I don't know what the Knicks roster situation is. So I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I know everything. However – the Knicks are a team, if I were like Otto Porter Jr. and they had an open roster spot, I'd be like, oh, I can go make a real big impact on that team, which could get me another contract after this. Mm-hmm. You're not getting us another the, – the idea – maybe with Gallo would make sense because he's so much – he's older and it's like, just get a rank body. Let's get, get, get you one and get you out of here and off of the sunset. You're going to do spaghetti westerns back in Italy and, and have a great time. You know, like that's maybe that's maybe the saving grace there. But I, I just don't see – the problem the Celtics have is the rotation's pretty set. Now they added two guys, mainly one in Tillman who could really carve right. his way into that rotation. Springer's going to be a, eh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So now it's even harder because there's one more body in there that's going to be fighting for playing time. Like I, I just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see it, and it, I, it's just a testament to how well Brad and and Mike yeah. and and Austin have done in building this team. This team is pretty sound from player one to player fourteen. I think Often, you got interesting. Kaufman, I was say, do you have a, do you have a championship chaser that that that, that you want? Um, mm, I have to I have to wait for them all to get bought out. I because again, yeah, we it, it's tough in the moment. I'll tell you, like we were trying to do it last night on the oh, program. I, I well, the the only one that I I mentioned to Washburn last week is I I wonder if they'll attempt to go full PJ Brown with Blake Griffin. Yeah, I I thought that for much I'm of sorry. the year, and every time I every time I I was told to not hold my breath. So yeah. I think but he then, is. I think his his back would not allow him to play basketball much of last year's playoffs, and I just think now you're out for a year. I I do think that's like the ideal prototype of what you needed to fill those kind of roles. Selfless guy who's been through it, guy who actually was a positive when he was out there, could defend Blake, all that. There's there's not a lot of them out there. What is Shemi Ojale up to? Can he still give us <laughs> like seven minutes of defense? He's still lifting weights and. I was going to say, you can give everybody balls. at least a little bit of a, a some somebody on Giannis just for a, a, <laughs> a few minutes a game. Yeah. Which, by the way, and we do have to go. We we did not get an opportunity to uh, talk about the disaster in Milwaukee since since Doc took over, and that doesn't mean 
they're not going to figure it out. Obviously, Doc is himself trying to figure it out. But my God, they've got problems there. And I am I am gleefully <laughs> hoping for the second round playoff exit. I'm sure it won't happen. They'll still be in the conference finals. But man, I would just love to watch this team come up short. It was, uh, I had to do uh, like a, a top five East rivals that I'm most scared of coming out of the deadline. And I wrestled with it. I wanted to put New York number one, but it felt like it was recency bias. And because they had the most sexy deadline and adding Burks and Bogdanovich, but I put the Bucks there because I know it's a mess right now and we're laughing at it. Like, do it now because they still got Giannis and Lillard still is crazy. And I don't think Pat Beverly is going to move the needle that much. But, man, beggars can't be choosers. So they're they're going to get a little bit better defensively. And Doc is going to have some time. And I like I feel like he's got to have some sort of tangible impact on that. I know he, he, he can't go out there himself and play defense. But Probably. while I'm still leery of, of the Bucks complete ability to navigate this because of their poor, poor defense. Uh, I can't write off Giannis and Dame. And so I will continue to be weirdly frightened by them. Um, and I will be like the Knicks. I look at them and say, don't have the the star power to necessarily make me scared either. And we'll see what happens with the Sixers. Buddy Heald, fully targetable when he's on the court. Whatever he gives you scoring-wise, it's it's not going to change the change it there. So... I still feel really good about where the Celtics are in the East. Um, and yeah, I guess I'll be fat. Bucks are fascinating. Super fascinating to me. Adrian Griffin must be loving them going one and five oh. with, with doc and being like, see, right it was now. not me. They're the problem. The players are the problem. Listen, there's <laughs> there, and, until further notice and it might be years. There is no team that I'm going to fear more in the East than the Miami heat. That's just mm-hmm. the one it's you know, PTSD for Miami year in year out. Until uh, at least until this team, you know, gets over the hump and and wins its first title since we get that on Sunday, baby. Let's see Super Bowl appetizer. <laughs> Jeez, uh, yeah. You know what? We're uh, let's let's go with that. Uh, what's what's your? Well, we we've done ours. What's your official Super Bowl pick? Oh, so well, I mean, I have to go with KC. Amina Amina Smith, our our uh, studio host. Her husband plays for right. the Chiefs, and so. Um, yeah, uh, whatever, whatever gets. I, it's it's funny. I even told her. I said, um, you know, it's it's hard because people here in in Boston are somewhat conflicted about the Chiefs, right? Because like Mahomes is getting a lot of, oh, he's on Brady's level, and we all know that's not true. But it's still it's an annoying narrative. Uh, so it's not that I root against them. It's just that I don't like that the conversation gets a little bit pricklier to to have. But yeah, go ahead, Chiefs. Go go get one. I, I root against them, but I also don't work with Amina, so I can. <laughs> Chris Forsberg from NBC Sports Boston. We always love having you, my friend. Uh, you know, go uh, do do your TV stuff. I promise we will be watching. We just like to razz you a little bit, but we'll have you back on again real soon. I appreciate you all. All right. For Chris, for Evan, I am Adam. Enjoy the Celtics these couple of days. We'll be back at you again next week after the football season has officially come to an end. It's all about basketball at that point in time. We'll see you.